writer of Ecclesiastes makes it perfectly clear. There is a time, there is a season, and there's a purpose for everything. The good, the bad, and the ugly. From the seasons of stretching us to where God is at times is shaping something in our hearts. Times when we're tested. And even when we come to the end of life itself, it happens in seasons. We must know that there will be winters when we simply cannot figure out that oftentimes can make us cracked and brokenhearted. There are nights that are long and times when prayers, you know, they don't seem to go anywhere. Those times when we want change or what we might look to in the middle of winter, we long for spring. We want spring to come, the warmth of something, you know what I mean? Uh, 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 We want that season. Because in that Ecclesiastes chapters 3, he gives us contrasting seasons. And I always like, you know what I mean, the nice seasons. Not the contrast to the nice seasons. You You know, but every step, every stumble that we may make, the smiles that we may have, the tears, the big moments, and even the little ones are telling a story. Now, we cannot change the seasons, but we can change ourselves. And that's how life gets better. Not by chance, but by change. Change. And in this passage of Scripture, he makes everything beautiful Okay, and it's time. He makes the ugly beautiful. It is through change that beauty comes out of what has not been the most beautiful. And I'm sure that we've all got some, what we would classify as being uglies in our life. Those moments and those times and those seasons. Maybe not as extreme. I mean, we read stories you know, of events that happen in people's lives, and I mean, they're, they're bad. And yet, I also read some of the follow ups of those same stories and find out that God does make the ugly. Beautiful. We must push forward. The season will come, but until it does, we can't remain captive to those seasons, to those past. No. We have to learn how to handle the winters of our life. 
Sometimes those winters are short, other times they're long. Sometimes they're difficult, sometimes they're kind of easy. But they keep coming. They keep coming. Learning how to handle winter, learning how to handle the night. Learning how to handle both progress and recession. Sometimes we have to reestablish, rebalance, and set course. We want to learn the skills that we need for during that time. Amen? We need to learn how to take advantage of the springs of our life because the winter will come. The Bible gives us a story, a comparative story between the, the, the uh, grasshopper and the ant, right? And the, the, in the summertime, you know, the grasshopper, he just hopped and danced and sang. He had zero preparation. He didn't look ahead. There wasn't any planning in his life. The ant, however, knew how to balance rejoicing and dancing, you know, with consideration to the future. Winter did come. And the grasshopper shows up at the ant's door and asks for some of the ant's provision. The grasshopper says, no, you go ahead and just keep on dancing. Well, I love to dance, but we also have to plan. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. We must learn how to take care of the crops that are planted in the spring. We must watch for the bugs, those weeds that would spoil and rob the crop. That's our job. We don't want to let the intruder even get started. No. Because church, all good will be invaded. Yes. All values must be defended. That is life. We are well equipped. We do not face it, you know, it, it, it trembling. But we do need wisdom. And we need to have faith and we need to believe that the best is yet to come. Amen? Yes. Hallelujah. So the cycles of life, they remain. But you know who else remains? Jesus is on the throne. And he is in charge of times and seasons. Amen? Amen? Because he wants to make everything ugly beautiful. And this is the particular promise, not just in generality for the world itself, but for the children of God. Romans chapter 8, 
Verse 28 says, he works all things together for good to them that love him and are called according to his purpose. Identifying those who have lined up what will happen, that he will turn the ugly to beautiful. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise God. So yes, there is the reality. According to Ecclesiastes chapter 3 of the fallen world. You will be born and you will die. You will plant and you will uproot. All of those things that seem to indicate that one follows the other, just as in our area, you know, winter, spring, summer, fall, the routine. It's not always, of course, you know, so neatly fixed like our seasons are, like our time are. What do we look at? You know, six months of winter. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what do we get? Uh, two months or three months of spring. Three months of summer. Three months of fall. Now, I don't know if that adds up to 12 or not. But anyway, <laughs> give or take, it's, it's, you, you understand what I'm saying. But God is a God that turns the ugly into beautiful. And the first place you want to look at this morning of the handiwork of God is that the agony and the disgrace of the crucifixion. It is there, you know, that, that you know, what was ugly. There's nothing beautiful in the general picture of the cross. No, you know, they beat, they struck him, you know, they plucked his beard. Psalms 22 describes that agony and the disgrace that Jesus experienced in the crucifixion. But we know that things, those ugly things turned beautiful. The cross turned life beautiful for believers, full of hope and full of help. The very disease of sin that entered into uh, the garden and perpetuated to mankind. You know what I mean? There is a remedy for it. And that is the blood of Jesus Christ. That cross can take that disease of sin that invades our own personal lives, you know, and, and, and not only from a, a, a inward side, inward part, but also outward. For this devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but I'm coming to have life and give it more abundantly. So he takes that disease and he says that he transforms it into our righteousness. Hallelujah. So that's important today to, to, to believe in. He turns the ugly into beauty. Think about this. Jesus is present in the midst of those inconscionable or unconscionable things that happening. 
all the time he's weaving himself into the fabric of our ugliness. It's not going by without his attention or even without his hand. But he's taken that, you know what I mean, which is tattered. And he's making it into something whole and something beautiful. He took the apostle Paul that we know of when he was Saul, who was a murderer, who fought against, you know, the the work of God, the church, fought against Jesus. He took all of his past years and he wove it into the beauty of a man that eventually wrote the, basically most of the New Testament. He took the wisdom from the studies that he had studied in the Old Testament, and that's why he understands and delivered such clarity to us in the New Testament as he put together the Old Testament and the New Covenant and the promises of God. You gotta understand that God's ways are higher than our ways and God's thoughts are higher than his thoughts. But I don't think just because they're higher that they're out of our reach. All right? I think God wants us to wants to reveal his ways. I think God wants to download his thoughts into our lives. That's what the Holy Spirit is for, is to download. You know, he says that he will guide us and he will teach us. What's, what has he given to us? He's given us the thoughts and the ways of God. Amen? Hallelujah. What a wonderful thing it is to know that, that, that you know, you will find God operating, you know, in very shrewdness. You know, almost as shrewd as a serpent. You know, he even tells us to be wise as serpents. Okay, and the next time, you know, he works in, 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 a, in an innocent way like a dove. Yes, but God is always looking for opportunities to bring hope out of hopelessness. Hey, man, hallelujah. You know... <laughs> You might not have had a lot of ugliness out here. But there seems to be, it. sometimes it doesn't take much ugliness out here to start getting ugly inside. Now, yeah, mm-hmm. So, you know, things that begin to irritate, that mess up with our vision, The good news is, is that while we see a mess, God sees the possibility or the making of a miracle. A miracle. He makes all things beautiful in its time. Yes. This morning, there are probably some things that in your life that you want to throw out. But those things you want to throw out just might be what God wants to use. 
It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4. The Apostle Paul writes and shows us how that, you know, that ugliness that we threw out, you know, may become the platform by which beauty flows. Because in your ugliness, there is a, there is a, a, a tender touch of the Father that comes. He says that there is a comfort that you get that God says, I want you to pass on. You become a channel. See, God doesn't always do things directly. Talk about community, John. God does it through the body. Youth camp, that's our, our family camp that's coming up. The community. You know? So you and I as a as as a believers, we get the wonderful uh, 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 privilege of of having comfort directly. But there are those that don't get that wonderful privilege. They're just dependent upon us to go ahead and tell them the story of God's comfort. To let them know that, you know, what God can do and and how important, you know, it would be if they would just turn to Jesus and let him into their life. And to tell your story, even to a fellow believer. Hell, hey, I've been there. I've been there. There's a good ending if we turn to and just wait for the season to change. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Bless his holy name. You know, those, those things we want to throw out, those scraps in our lives, God can touch them with his divineness and he can transform it. He can change it. Because I don't believe that there are any scraps in the hands of God. I believe that every piece will one day have a place and a purpose. Because he works all things for good. To them that love God and are called in according to his purpose. Both the hard, the happy, and everything in between. He uses it to make something of great worth and value. The challenge comes is the time between the seasons. Sometimes it seems like forever, waiting even naturally for spring to come. How often do we say, I'm tired of my winter. I want the spring to come. I'm tired of the dark days. I need some fresh sunlight, you know? Those times when we desperately want answers, and yet there doesn't seem to be any clear answers. 
I believe there's answers, but sometimes there's not clear answers. I believe the book, the Bible, gives us generality answers, gives us that hope, you know, that basket that we can, that we can set ourselves in. But only God is the one that can eventually change the season. He's in charge of the seasons. Yes, he is. The Apostle Paul wrote and said that it's in the weakest of time that we are the strongest by God. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Sometimes God goes ahead and has to, you know, expose that our strength is not as strong as we think it is. That our wisdom is not as wise as we think it is. And he goes ahead and, you know, sets a kind of a little events in our life by which he gets a chance to step in. He wants to step in. We've got to make room for him. Yeah. No might, no power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. He wants to be our strength in our weakness. Yes, he does. That, that, that time when earthly logic makes no sense. Now, maybe you've never been there. Rationally, I haven't either. But I'll tell you what, my emotions can take me there. Yep. Some of the simplest, you know, little, um, you know, everybody don't have a lot to do with life even. It just has a lot to do with my happiness and the answer to my prayers. And so many times those prayers are, you know, immediate and I want immediate answer. Huh? Yeah. Maybe you're not fall into those simple things like I do sometimes at all. Uh, I am weaker today than I've ever been in my life, in myself. But I'm also stronger today than I've ever been in God, our Savior. So yes, when we're feeling fragile, we need to look through the lens of the love of God. Because he promises in Isaiah 61 that the ashes of loss and the broken dreams, he'll eventually go ahead and brush them into place in the masterpiece of this divine artist who is painting a picture. Can you imagine? Think about it. 
God uses the devil. To get his work done. To set the stage. Yeah. God's faithful. He's holding it all together, church. Psalm 56 and 8 says this, You keep track of all my sorrows. You collect all my tears in a bottle. You have recorded each one. He's recorded each one. Just as God recycled his own wounds into life-changing compassion and power. We, too, must recycle our wounds. We, too, must recycle our disappointments, our winter times, into compassion, into hope. Let them become soils for the seeds for the future. The Bible says in Isaiah 53 that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. But by his stripes, we are healed. Hallelujah. Yes, Jesus did not let his wounds fester, but he let them become healing balm. The distaste of things of life, you know, he handled his winters right. He handled his dark nights. Father, into thy hands I yield, I commend. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. Don't let earthly logic get in the way and warp the pictures. of the power, love, and care of God. So I'm going to encourage you today. Recycle your wounds. Recycle your ugliness. The ugliness of life. They may not be ugly to you, but they've affected you enough. You know. They've given you a limp. It's not a limp. It's coming from you're wrestling with God. But a limp that's come from the winter season of your life. So what do you do when your problems are hiding your promises? 
what do you do when you have problems? Not imagining problems today, not trying to, but I'm trying to show you that God turns the ugly into beautiful. Amen. He says in Isaiah 63, he will give them beauty for ashes. What is ashes? It's the remains of something that has been destroyed. He said, I will change it. I will make an exchange. Are you ready for an exchange? I believe that we're living in the great venture of God, the season of God for exchanges. It's always been on the it's always been on the table. But it seems like it's God is pushing it forward to be part of the main menu. The great exchange. Hallelujah. When when those promises that you believe God see, you know, uh, seem buried from the wreckage of the circumstances. From the wreckage of the circumstances. Promises. 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 Maybe you get tired of hearing the promises. You would like the promise. I don't know. But we get emotional scars. We got to give them to Jesus. And let him start to make something beautiful in that exchange. That winter season when the promises of God seem powerless. Can you under, will you understand this? You, it's not, it's a time when you don't need another promise. You need to behold the glory of the Lord. To behold the glory of God. Now, never, of course, stop absorbing the the promises. But as you begin to behold the glory of God, to see the one who gives the promise. When they saw Jesus after the resurrection, what a change. They beheld the promise, the glory of it. I will rise again. Death will not hold me. 
He went through and then he did it. But they had a hard time grasping the promise until they beheld the glory. Amen? And isn't that what John wrote in John chapter 1? We beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I don't think that John's particular references for the baby in the manger. I don't think they got it then. But I think it was after the resurrection that they beheld the glory of God who was full of grace and, and truth. I'm going to ask Karen to come this morning. So we got to give it to Jesus. What do we do when the problems are hiding your promises? You got to give it to Jesus. I know that's a simple phrase, you know what I mean? You may hear it a lot, but there's no better way to say it. You just got to give it to Jesus. Hallelujah. He says, don't carry it anymore. Let me exchange it for you. I'll give you beauty for rashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Hallelujah. You cry out to the Lord. You say, Lord, this is the way I'm feeling. This is what it's like inside of me right now. I need some exchanges. I need some transformation taking place inside. We always wanted to change out here. God says, I want to change it in here. Hallelujah. And you'll see that you see differently. The very thing you saw before, you won't see anymore, even though it's still there. Rather than a mountain, it'll be small. Rather than hopelessness, it'll be hope. Rather than fear, it'll be faith. Amen? Hallelujah. Don't be defined by your scars. in what they've caused unless they've been turned into compassion and love. How do we do it? You got to believe in the waiting. You got to believe while you're waiting. Mark 9, chapter, 30, uh, chapter 9, verse 33. Everything is possible for the one who believes. That's the challenge, is to believe when you're waiting. If we have it in our hands, it's no longer hope. Amen. You see, when you believe in the waiting, you take the right steps. You make the right decisions. Israel didn't believe in the waiting, or during the waiting, more correct. 
And as a result, everything got pushed down the road. Down the road. So you got to believe in the waiting or during the waiting. Next, you got to find the honey in the rock from the battle that you've already fought. Story of Samson. Samson was on his way and he encountered the lion. And he slew the lion. There's the dead carcass of the lion. And it was a few days sometime later. He's passing the same way. And there's a need. There is a... There, they're, they're weak. They need some kind of nourishment. And he notices that there is a honey in the cavity of the lion. God takes the ugly and makes it beautiful. God can take the carcasses of yesterday's, you know, challenges and victories. And you can draw sweetness from them for the next wearisome moment in time that may happen in your life. Because there will be seasons but they will not all be bad. He will change them. Amen, church? Hallelujah. It's amazing the power of just the change of our thinking the transformation that can take place when we get our thinking right. If anything is honorable and pure, a good report, you know what I mean? Paul says, stay on the positive side of life in your thinking. There's such great nutrition in that kind of thinking. So sometimes the unmovable things in our life offer to us the greatest sweetness. Honey in the rock. Someone wrote a song. Well, it wasn't really honey in the rock. It was honey in a lion. You can get honey out of the devil. Because God plants it there. 
He said, in its time. He says, it'll get better. Not by chance, but by change. By change. Amen. And God operates by appointed time. God operates in seasons. Timing is not in our hands. It's in God's. It's in God's. Stand with me this morning.